0: You're listening to the GP Soccer Podcast with your host Giovanni Puccini. Hey there, everyone! This is Giovanni Puccini, host of the GP Soccer Podcast. Once again, coming across your podcast airways uh how cool is this platform this uh, idea of podcasting listen i'm uh, old enough not terribly old but old enough to remember uh, you know these little things called transistor radios of which i had when i was a kid where there was this little box that you could turn the on uh, on off button and get either am or fm and you would kind of turn the dial to find your favorite am station or fm station uh at night uh fm was cool because you got better reception um so that was a, you know my my entrance so to speak as you all know into the world of radio and had a brief radio career here in the Boston area but now here we are 2020 technology it's a wonderful thing uh, I've got my laptop I've got my equipment and I can uh, uh, satisfy the uh, uh, the radio fascination I have by doing podcasting and I've combined my expertise in soccer with my passion of radio and in broadcasting and here you have it the GP Soccer Podcast. So let's let's kind of dive into uh, the show today. Uh, As I've said to you before, I've been very fortunate, very fortunate to have had uh, some wonderful interview guests uh, of which I'm, you know, I'll I'll be forever grateful um, for them to coming on the show. And today is absolutely no different. Uh, Not only is this gentleman a colleague, but I consider him a good friend. Uh, we, we don't see each other that often throughout the course of the year because he's, he's typically over in Scotland and, and in Europe, uh, but we do cross paths when we do uh, coaching education courses through United Soccer Coaches here in the United States, and uh, it's like, um, you know, even though maybe once or twice a year, it's like we saw each other the week before. Um, so our, our guest today is my good friend and colleague, Ian Donnelly, Ian Donnelly. Now, Ian has been immersed in the game of soccer his entire life, and we'll get into that as a player and as a coach, and now for the past over the past 25 years in the area of performance analysis performance analysis he is a level 5 which is world-class ISPAS accredited analyst and has been at the forefront of the growth and development of performance performance analysis at all levels of the game Ian has worked extensively in providing analysis expertise and support in a wide range of sports at the professional Olympic and high performance levels however It is in soccer that he remains most heavily involved, working to enhance coaching and player performance at every level of the game, from national teams and pro teams down to the grassroots level. In the year of coaching education, Ian provides analysis expertise to national federation and governing bodies around the sporting world and works extensively with United Soccer Coaches here in the United States in their coaching development courses. With a background in both education and coaching, Ian was instrumental in the development of the world's first interactive video analysis technology for coaches back in the early 1990s and continues to harness the latest computer and video technology in his current role as CEO at Performance Innovation. Ian Donnelly, welcome to the GP Soccer Podcast.
1: Hi Giovanni, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: No, oh, believe me, it' my pleasure. As as I noted in the setup there, um, I've been looking forward to this not only because you're a friend and I love chatting with you, but you know this is an area you know this idea of analysis that that I've been a bit of a junkie uh, for for quite some time, and and did uh, utilize uh, various methods of analysis. Uh, both with old-fashioned paper and pencil, but also through technology. When I was coaching collegiately, I used it used it extensively uh, at that level. So, uh, so yeah, I've been look, kind of looking forward to this. Um, so let's let's start with with uh, the issue that we're all dealing with now around the world, and that is the coronavirus uh, epidemic, COVID nineteen. Um, As I've noted in previous broadcasts with with previous interview guests, I I delve into this because it is the new normal. It is what we're all dealing with globally. Uh, It's affected every aspect of our lives and certainly has has affected us as soccer professionals. But I want to ask how you are doing. How is Ian Donnelly doing? How is your family doing uh, personally? How, how 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 are you dealing with all this and how are you doing? Yeah, well it's
1: uh you're right, Giovanni, it's uh it's incredible. Really, really dark times um around the world here in Scotland, no different to to you in the US. Um virtually under lockdown and we have been now. This is our our third week. So fortunately, um so far we're uh family are all well, which is uh which is great. We get out once a day. We're allowed out once a day um, to exercise. That's pretty much the limit. You can go out um, if you need to to go for groceries. You're allowed to do that, but but that's pretty much it. But you know, it's uh, it's incredible how quickly uh, we adapt. And you're right. This is the new norm. Um, we keep busy. We exercise. We keep involved. And uh, you know, from a work perspective. Um, Working in soccer, it's been it's been really interesting. Initially, I hadn't anticipated being quite so busy. I, I think I've probably been busier work-wise in the last kind of month, and I have been um, <laughs> than I have been for probably the last six months or so. And the reason is that a lot of uh, a lot of national federations now, obviously, they cannot run their in-person coaching courses, so they're looking at uh, alternatives for that. And so I've been working hard with uh, with a number of different national federations and um, just working with them to try and get them in a position where they can offer online courses. As
0: So, you know, my audience pretty much knows the situation here in the United States and the processes by which, um, you know, our professional clubs, MLS, uh, you know, uh, the things they had to consider in terms of shutting, shutting uh, operations now share with my audience the, the european process what what has happened in scotland what has happened in europe just prior to the coronavirus as as we saw this tidal wave of a virus approaching what happened in europe in the soccer world that led to ultimately you know leagues being shut down and organizations fa's being being shut down how did it, how did it go in europe well it was interesting um
1: you know, it was Italy was really the first country um, in Europe to be um, really, really badly affected. But they were still playing. You know, they were they were still playing uh, games in northern Italy, which was the, the hardest hit area. That uh, they were still playing Champions League games. The last round of Champions League games, I think, uh, Atlanta uh, were were playing, and uh, you know, so they had sixty thousand in a in a stadium and then it all came very quickly. It all um, once the the data began to, to filter through and the projections and uh, um, all the all the information we started getting uh, soccer federations were very very quick then just to, to call a halt to to everything. I mean within the space of you know, ten days to two weeks we went from normal to absolutely nothing in terms of uh, sport here in Scotland. The league shut down um, straight away. Uh, clubs, uh, players weren't allowed to go in um, and visit, and not even train uh, at the clubs as well. So, you know, it's been it's been really, really interesting um, the way that again, you know, how people have adapted to this from a, a fans' perspective, obviously. You know, I come from Scotland and uh, we are per capita the highest, the best supported um, country in terms of of the sport of soccer in the world. And so it's a huge role in in people's lives here. But I think that uh, there's just a realism and that, you know, uh, life is bigger than sport. So while, you know, even three months ago, it was unthinkable that we might not have any soccer um, to go and watch or have soccer on the TV. I think people um, I think people are just, you know, what there are bigger things out there, much more important things out there. Everything's in perspective. and while we love our game, um, we realize now that uh, there are a lot more uh, things that are a lot more important.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things I've I've commented not only on the on my broadcast here, but you know, just in general to my wife and friends and family. Um, you know, we have seen, and I'm sure that's the case in Europe as well. This is a broad statement. Uh, we have seen some extraordinary acts of kindness. We've seen some extraordinary acts of neighbors helping neighbors, people, you know, uh, on the front lines, you know, we're on the, you know our, our, our medical folks, our uh, EMTs, our even the folks who, you know, who drive the bus and are on the trains every day, our transportation folks. Um, we've seen some extraordinary acts of kindness. I, I just hope when this is all said and done, that those acts of kindness and that, that humanity if you will is maintained going forward um you know it's terrible what we're going through but maybe out of this terrible situation something good can transpire something good can happen and be part of the uh of the human uh, human mindset going forward um that's my hope, Ian. That that's my hope. So
1: Yep, and I completely agree with you, um, Giovanni. It's uh you know, our frontline workers are doing an incredible, unbelievable job, putting their lives on the line um for us. And I genuinely don't think this'll be forgotten. I think that uh I think that we're gonna learn a lot from this.
0: Um and uh as you say, I mean, I- so Ian, um, I'm curious as I'm curious with all my guests, uh, your personal journey, um, you know, when you were a, a young, young player, uh, in Scotland, uh, to, to, you became a coach to analyst, take, take my honest, my, get my audience on the Ian Donnelly journey, if you will, from player to coach to analyst.
1: Well, Giovanni, I, uh, as you know, I've been kind of immersed in, in soccer all my life. My dad was, a uh, professional player and then was a, a soccer journalist here in Scotland so I was involved in the game since I was knee high <clears throat> and uh, I played I wasn't quite good enough to um, to make it uh, professionally um, but I, I was a decent player I suppose not not the greatest but I was a decent player um, the biggest thing in, in my life at that point was I was accepted to train as a phys ed teacher at uh Scottish School of Physical Education at Thornhill College in Glasgow. And it was a a hugely respected um, physical education um, institution around the world. There were lots of um, former students who had gone on and and done great things in soccer. Craig Brown was the Scotland national team manager, who a number of your listeners will know, and also Andy Roxburgh, who um, was the Scotland national team coach and then was the technical director for UEFA um for a couple of decades i think and then, and is now still the technical director uh with the asian federation we were really fortunate that's part of our physical education um course at uh scotch school of, of pe but, uh, they took us through our our some of our coaching badges and we were doing our uefa sea license with uh, um, at Jordan Hill and it was actually taken Andy Roxburgh came and, and took us and put us through it which was a um, a huge thrill um, for us but he was just wonderful He came back um came back to to work with the group and he had been out at the um, at the convention at the that at that point was the national soccer coaches the NSCAA convention one January and he came back. And he mentioned to me, he said, Ian, have you ever thought of coaching? Um, and he said, because there are a number of uh I I was asked if, you know by a number of people if I knew anybody, any young coaches that wanted to come out. So I actually ended up um through Andy Roxborough and through Ron McEachin, who was at Vermont, I was uh was offered offered a position in, in Tennessee that a head coaching position down in Tennessee that fell through. But I ended up um at the University of Southern Maine as as an assistant coach way up in Maine, which is an incredibly beautiful, fantastic part of the country. It has a huge place in my heart. I was uh, really fortunate because the the head coach um, was a a guy called Gary Fifield, who was a a women's basketball coach, hugely successful basketball coach, and just a wonderful coach. And I, I learned so much. Um, from him, I think, the coaching process. And that was uh, that was huge for me. What was interesting was that uh, in Gary's role at Southern Maine, when he took the job, they gave him soccer as well. And he'd never been on a soccer field before. So um, I I was basically, uh, when he brought me in, he basically said, look, do what you do, what you need. Do what you want with it. So I had, uh, I had a number of great years um, there. But what was interesting was, that I, I immersed myself in in the coaching programs of the other sports as well. So I, obviously the women's basketball with Gary and also, also the baseball program had a, a nationally um, very successful um, team. I was fascinated just by how well coaches and um, those coaches in those sports prepared their athletes. It's something i played at a decent level, but I'd never been exposed to that. And I was fascinated by um how how well they, they they themselves were prepared, but also how well they prepared their 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 players so you know what they did was Gary Fifield, for example, watched hours of video, and at that time he jotted down lots of lots of stats, all his assistants. Gathered data. So there were these two separate parts. There was the video part and the data part. My, my idea at that time was, wouldn't it be great when the technology is there to kind of merge those two things so that you see something interesting in the data. So, for example, Ian gave the ball away five times during the game. Okay, that, that's interesting. Um, but if we could then look at link that with a video and look at that interactively, so that you could then say, okay, let's go and look at that, and the technology would take you and show you those um, those moments in the game when I when I had given the ball away. So that was really the idea.
0: You know, you, you mentioned baseball. Baseball is forever in, in its existence, for the most part has been driven um, by analytics, you know, and it goes beyond, you know, batting averages and the, uh, you have on base percentages. And it's a, it's a sport built for statistics. It's a sport built for, for analytics. Um, yeah, and then that's where, you know, my interest kind of started with analytics, you know, baseball, where they could kind of break everything down, you know, with, with numbers and, uh and, and, and discern, you know, trends and, you know, uh, as it affected the team, as it affected, uh, you know, individual players. Um, So yeah, yeah, that's what my fascination with when analytics, you know, came on as well. Let's, I'm, I'm, you know, I wanna make sure that my audience, because my my audience runs the gamut. I've got, you know, grassroots coaches, we've got college coaches, and I know there's a few few folks out there that are a little bit higher level, but the predominance of my audience is, you know, from the grassroots level. I wanna kind of put things in context. Um, There's this idea of analysis. Does it run the gamut? Um, Does it have application at the grassroots level? Um, we know it has application at the most advanced levels. You're talking about, you know, collegiately or, you know, academy level, professional, international level. But does it does it have broader application? And if and if the answer is yes, specifically, how and where?
1: Well, I know this wouldn't surprise you, uh, Giovanni, but I passionately believe that some form of analysis or visual feedback should be part of every every coaching program. And I don't care whether you're coaching the national team or you're coaching your your UAs. Obviously the nature of that analysis and that visual uh, that visual feedback will, will change. So for example at the top level, huge amounts of effort going in terms of gathering data, looking at of tactical analysis and the recruitment side, all all those aspects there. But I think it's important to to make a distinction and you know we talk about video analysis. I actually include visual feedback in that because feedback is so important for us um, in, in terms of the, the development of players. We now understand through all the, the kind of skill acquisition research and literature that's been done over the past few decades, increasingly we, we're understanding the important role that feedback play uh, that feedback plays in the development of players. So we now understand that you know without uh, you know apart from practice itself, it's the quality of feedback that the player receives, that is the single most important factor in determining the speed of learning and the extent of learning. So that has huge ramifications for us as coaches. So if we're saying that feedback is so important, then really as coaches, all of the time we should be thinking about how how can I improve? How can I enhance the quality of feedback that I'm providing for my players? So when I talk about visual feedback, this is about showing players some video. Even young players now we're able to sh- to show video on phones, on tablets, etc. You know, young players in particular, anybody under the the age of kind of 25 now lives and lives their lives through their tablets and and their phones. So we can harness those devices then to to really um, enhance the quality of feedback that we're providing. So. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that analysis is of of, of huge value. Um, and as I said, you know, whether you're coaching your national team or you your U8, I absolutely think it should be part of your your coaching program. It makes us better. We're more informed. We make better decisions.
0: So obviously, the the depth of which you're you're using video analysis to provide visual feedback is, I guess this is kind of a loaded easy question, is 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 related to um, the level that you're coaching at. So for example, if I have a, a group of U8 kids playing and I videotape them, I'm pretty much going to keep it as simple and as r- arguably rudimentary as possible. Maybe just show them a video of a portion of a game or a game or a half or that type of thing. Whereas obviously at the more advanced level, you can start to integrate uh, you know, some more elaborate, uh, forms of technology. Is, is that a safe thing to say? Because and the reason why I'm asking this, Ian, is that I, I don't want, I don't want a U6 coach, a U8, U10 coach. to think, well, I heard Giovanni Buccini and Donnelly talk about, uh, you know, uh, video analysis and visual feedback and they go nuts, um, getting caught up in the technology <laughs> and, and, and thinking this is it. Uh, relative to their role as player developers, um, I, I want to make sure that they have a, um, you know, a, a sense of the balance between what we're talking about, what you're talking about, what you're, what you're uh, um, you know, sharing with us, relative to the realities out there. Does that does that all make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in no way, Giovanni, am I saying that our U10 or U12 or U14, we should have a line of Jose Mourinho's out there analysing every single thing that players do. At that level, we should be thinking about it in terms of what feedback can we be providing for players that can enhance and maybe accelerate their learning and understanding. So we can show some video, and it might just be that, that we take a little bit of video, or we show them a video of somebody doing what it is that we're trying to ask them to do, particularly well. So we show them some model performance that they can then um, look to try and copy and emulate. So it can be as simple as as that.
0: Yeah, uh, you you hit the nail right on the head. And, and the that's the reason why I asked this question because you know there's always that that coach out there, and I, and I don't mean this in a derogatory or condescending fashion. There's always that coach out there. I'm like, oh wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna start using. Analysis and feedback, and you know, because that's the that's the modern thing to do. Um, it's important to have a sense of balance and, and appropriate application of, of uh, video analysis and visual feedback, dependent upon the, the age group and level of what you're, you're dealing with. Um, so, you know, this idea of analytics is now, you know, it's a common word. It's it's widespread, and when we see, you know, I mean, an explosion of data being generated and available in all aspects of the, all aspects of the game help my audience um, understand how do you outline how the data is being used to then enhance performance how, how does that all take place?
1: Um, well it's interesting uh, Giovanni you know I've, you you said I've been involved in uh, analysis now for, uh, for a quarter of a century it, it, it's funny I, I have a funny relationship with data and that um, you know I believe it can be helpful um, but we're at a point now where I, you know, we are, we're drowning in it. We are drowning in data. Um, we're we're getting data thrown at us all the time. You know whether it's on, on uh, whether we watch TV or those who are coaching even at high school or our collegiate level now we're we're getting individual player stats. We're getting team stats. You know I often use when I'm working with groups of coaches. I always use the phrase data rich and information poor. To try and explain, kind of where we are with that, we're 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 data rich, and what I mean by that is that there's no shortage of data. There's we're gathering information on all aspects of the game, but the information poor part of it is is the important bit here because is it is it informing us? Is it is it helping us? Well, most of the time not not particularly because we don't take the time to to kind of look through and dig through that data and identify the key moments, the key patterns within that. Because that's where that's where the insights part of it comes from. And it's the insights that the things that we now are. Ah, I didn't know that before. That, that's really interesting. Those are the things that that help us change our our behavior. So, you know, while we're, you know, we live in a world now within soccer where you know, we can gather information on anything and coaches generally um generally are are gathering lots and lots of data now uh, you know once we get to the competitive level they are they are really gathering lots and lots of data but you know my advice is always um you know decide what's important to you less is more work out what's important to you and they become your metrics they become um they're the, the, the bits of information. The kind of you know the term key performance indicators. Those are the things that you're interested in. Now that might be um, general general game things that you want to measure game after game. Absolutely, that is that's absolutely fine. Things like okay, how how effective were we attacking? So you might want to look at you know maybe look at conversion rates from getting into the attacking third the shots goals that kind of thing things that you might be interested in looking at game after game how effective were we from our set pieces so those i i i absolutely get that and that so those can be important to you. if you're working if, if you're looking more in terms of individual player development then it might be specific to them so decide what's important to you in relation to the development of that player so if it's a wing back. It might be something like stopping crosses, so that might be that might be the the thing that you decide that you want to invest your time and effort in because all of this does take time and effort so what what I always say to coaches is you know strip it right back, what's important, what's important to me, and then measure those those things. It might be you know I always talk about the importance I think of if you're going to invest time and effort look at your measure your philosophy or the the implementation of your philosophy so if you have a certain way that you want your team to play it makes absolute sense then that you put in place some way of measuring how effective you are at that so for example if you wanted to if you decide that you want to play a high pressing game and when you when you win the ball in those attacking areas that you create chances quickly then what you can do is you can begin to measure, okay, where are we winning the ball? How often are we winning the ball in the opposition's uh, defensive third? Or how quickly um, are we able to turn those turnovers into attempts on goal? How effective are we at, at doing that? So it's really deciding what it is that that's important, whether you're working with individual players or whether it's um, units within the team or whether it's a tactical things decide what it is that's important those are the things to invest your time in. at the elite level
0: go ahead you know um in listening to your response it's because of and i and i, and I like the term data rich and, and maybe you know, uh, drowning in data um it's it's at a point now and correct me if i'm wrong um is that it's 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 got to be a part of a coach's constant aware, being, being constantly aware of the balance between the use of data and then your own ability to to do things, assess things, see things with your own two eyes. Um, the, the human part, the human instinct part, there's, there's that balance. Because I can see, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, if you begin to drown in that data, um, it then compromises your capacity to, to have that instinct, as I say, as a coach, and that eye that you need to have as a coach. At the, at the end of the day, our two eyes don't fail us. Um, and then over the course of time, our experiences allow us to have, to build our own internal human data without the use of technology. Um, you know, is, is, that a, is that a potential dark side, the, the capacity or, or, or the lack of capacity to, to balance this idea of data versus your human capacity? Is, is that a dark side?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's really interesting because, um, you know, when I first got into analysis and particularly within soccer, we went purely on the coach's opinion. So we went, you know, the subjective opinion of the coach was was everything. And then we realized that, well, wait a minute, that might not be, you know, that might not always be the the best way. we began to understand more about you know it's interesting you you talk about coaches being able to to see things. What we what we began to understand, uh, and le- as we learned more about our ability as observers, as human beings, as observers, and the ability to kind of process, store, and then recall information, we realised we actually weren't very good at that. So, you know, we're not particularly effective observers we we're, we're, you know if you're a soccer coach and you you're watching the game your your attention is drawn to whatever it is that's happening at that time but there are so many other things on the the field that that you that it would be important for us to to see as well we're just not effective uh, observers and in terms of our memory our ability to store and then recall things accurately um, we're not particularly good there. The common perception is that when we remember something that you kind of press a button, your brain presses a button and plays that, that action as a video again. But we now understand that that's not how it works. What happens is when you remember something, your brain pieces it together bit by bit new every single time, and what that does is that that creates real problems in terms of accuracy. When I'm working with coaches i I talk about it in terms of a jigsaw. So if we were working on a jigsaw so we and we finish the jigsaw, so we need that picture to be clear. We want that picture to be clear and to be complete. But those human limitations that I talked about in terms of our ability to observe and remember accurately the impact on there so. Some of the pieces in that jigsaw are missing. Some of the bits are really clouded and we, we can't see clearly. And some bits we've, we've just remembered wrong. So that is the picture that the coach has. We, we're striving. We need clarity. As coaches, we want to base our our decision-making and our feedback to players on a clear and accurate picture of performance. But really, if we rely on, on just um, what we think we've seen and remembered, then that picture is flawed. So that was the subjective part of it. We then we decided, right, we need to become take a much more objective approach. So we began to put in place ways to measure things. And that's where the data side has just kind of exploded. My feeling yeah. is that um, we need to combine both of those, Giovanni, in that um, you know, we gather uh, we gather the data. So, for example, um, you know, we gather how many shots on goal or how many passes a player made. What we need is the coach's expertise to bring some of that um, subjectivity back into it, because as we know, no two passes are the same. Me rolling a, a, a ball sideways to you over ten yards um, when there's no pressure on me is a very different path pass than me trying to thread a ball through um, into a striker running uh, running the channel. So, you know, those are those are different things. So what we need to do is, in terms of the data, those be be recorded as two passes. Um, what we need to do is bring some of the subjectivity, some of that expertise from the coaches back into it. So I, I you know, I, I've, I've kind of come around to, to that being the um, the best scenario here. Yes, we gather objective data, but it's viewed well from a, 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 using the coach's expertise.
0: You know, when I was coaching in college and I was very fortunate to coach at a pretty high level, I had some tr- terrific players over the course of my career as a collegiate coach and it was around long enough to have enjoyed the advent of technology. Um, you know, in fact, I'm, I pull this off my computer. I'm looking at it now, um, you know, some of the things we used to track um you know possession time of possession percentage, percentage of time first touches passes you know pass strings all that kind of stuff for ourselves and and for our opponent as well and this was you know in real time stuff and i I would use this extensively we used to track you know um uh if we lost the ball we had a philosophy we wanted to get the ball back in four passes or less so we would track that we if we if we scored a goal, we wanted to win the ball back in three passes or less. So, you know, I, I had all this stuff uh, and I found um, I found a balance. And I, I can always say to my – remember saying to my players, I'm like, you know, analysis, analytics, data is terrific to a point. So let's use this, appreciate it, make us better for what it is, and then let's go forward to become – you know, to to learn from it and then, you know, whether improvement as a player or as a block – or as a team or, you know, any of the things that we we happen to be, happen to be tracking. And the other thing I found um, was this idea of accountability. Uh, I I can remember, you know, I'll I'll give you a quick story when I was doing my master coach, uh, uh, you know, thing with United soccer coaches, then NSCAA, I was in England for 12 days. I remember being at Fulham and this was in the early days of, of, you know, analysis and technology. It was, it was there with video and, you know, some some graphic tracking was, was available. I remember meeting with the uh, the technology guy at Fulman, He had his little office. Um, um, it, it was it was nerd heaven. You know, nerd heaven for analysis and, and and that kind of stuff. And I remember him saying, you know, the the days of uh, the the manager arguing with a player, well, you did this. Well, no, coach, I didn't do that. Well, you should have done this. Well, coach, I did do that. They flushed it down the toilet because now they could sh- put up a video and show it firsthand. They could slow it down. They could speed it up. And then you could add graphics, you know, if you had to do something, maybe some relative to passing patterns or, gee, you're not passing the ball here when it should have been there and they could do it graphically. Um, and all of a sudden, accountability, accountability became a uh, an important part of, of all of this. So if there was no other reason to do it, then you can make that level of player. And, and certainly I did it with my college team. I could make them accountable. Well, here it is, boys, or here it is, Ian. Uh, this is what I'm talking about. And the numbers don't lie. The video doesn't lie. The data doesn't lie. Um, you know. Um, it, no, it worked. I
1: agree absolutely with, uh, with that Giovanni, it makes players and it also makes coaches uh, accountable as well, it's really interesting so Germany in the 2010 World Cup, they came close they didn't quite win it but um, the you know the feeling from the coaching staff was that players were holding on to the ball too long and therefore the, uh, opposition defences were getting the opportunity to reorganise and get back and You know, initially, um, there was some pushback from the players and then the data was generated. So what they did then was they looked forward to 2014 and basically said, look, you know, we're going to we're as a group. We're going to work. Everybody is going to be is going to work towards uh, taking less time in the ball. We're going to shift the ball much more quickly. And every every international break when the squad got together, that was what they worked on. So they um, obviously they won the the World Cup in in 2014, um, and they had uh, reduced the average time that uh, that each player was on the ball by about a second and a half. So they they'd, they'd have the time that that the players were were on the ball. But it's interesting. Initially there wasn't. Uh, you know, I, as I understand it, there wasn't, you know, the players, there was a bit of pushback. No, nope, we're fine with this. I'm not taking too much time. But then they were showing, and they were showing the data and shown video. And so then all of the players bought into it. So a good example of, um, you know, players being accountable because they then knew that this was being measured every single game and in every single training session as, as well. So it's fascinating. And, um, um, you know, I don't think that was the only reason that they won the, the World Cup in 2014, but it certainly was one of them. Of they decided how they want to play the game.
0: You know, and I found as well as a coach, and I'm sure this is the case with with any coach that, that uses this at the appropriate level and, and to the extent that it should be used, um, it helped me drive uh, training sessions. You know, if if the things I saw or were getting from video and from data um, indicated a you know, a weakness or, you know, or, or something that we were, we needed improvement in, it allowed me to, you know, to, to create and drive training sessions, reflective of that to improve uh, that, that area. And then it, then it provided us a, provided us an opportunity to then in the next match to see if we did improve. And again, the, the video was available to us, the data was available to us. So then I could get some affirmation as a coach. I'm like, okay, we identify this in, in match A. I worked on, and we worked on it in training, and now in match B we improved, or we didn't improve. But it, yeah. but in either case, I got feedback from the from the video, from the data that that could either affirm or not, um, you know, the, the the training that 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 took place in order to improve that area. Um, I found that to yeah. be, I really enjoyed that part, taking all that that quote unquote stuff in and formulating training sessions, implementing them, and to see if it works. You're almost like a little bit like a mad scientist, if you will, uh, taking all this stuff, putting it together in a training session, and then put the boys back out there to see if, uh, you know, if it works, if it works. Um, so, moving forward, um, you know, wh- what is, what are some of the analysis, uh, analysis technologies that are being utilized now that are out there, and, and where is, where is this technology going? Um, it, it seems like you know, it's 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 come so fast, like all of technology. Um, you know, where's all where's all this going? I mean, it is incredible. The
1: um, soccer uh, soccer is uh, the money that's gone into um, the, the technology side of of the game has just exploded in the last kind of ten ten years. Really, you know, soccer was kind of late to the party. I worked extensively in in our before. You know, technology does does a couple of things one it allows us to do things that we're already doing um, but just more effectively and secondly it allows us to do things that we weren't able to do before um, and that kind of that's shown in kind of where the technologies are just now so obviously you've got the video technologies you you know you've got everybody now has the ability to video you've got it on our phones or our tablets um, you know you can buy cameras, etc some of the great there's some amazing camera technology now out there auto cameras so um you know companies like uh Veo auto cameras so they uh, you basically set up you don't need to you don't need anybody filming it videos the uh, video the game for you so there's the video technology because that that's kind of your core that's your raw material so any analysis that you want to do, you need good raw material. So it's, it's the video side of it. Um, and those, there are a whole host of companies that have evolved and developed there. Then you kind of get into video tagging or kind of video analysis. So either match analysis or player analysis. Um, so you've got uh, technologies like sports code or, um, you know, you've seen our, our focus software. Um, there's an export. There's a whole range now. There must be 20 or 30 different tagging-type um, technologies out there. And what they allow you to do is watch the video. You, you create some kind of template, and when something happens in the game that's interesting, you basically tag that, tag that moment. And then you can normally, these technologies have an interactive review facility. So, for example, if you want to say... I want to see all our crosses from the right-hand side or all our attempts on goal or all our opponent's corner kicks or every time Ian Donnelly did this in the game, you're able to instantly access and do that. So that's the the video tagging technology. That's kind of evolved, you know, as the kind of machine learning um, technologies have come on board and, and improved. We've now got player tracking technology. So this is camera systems. So cameras are set up um, at your game and basically they track the players. The cameras don't move. It's the software that enables the players um, to be tracked. So the player tracking technology. And, and so that's the machine learning side of it and the cameras are, are one way of doing it. The other, side is the, the other way of doing it is the you know, GPS um, side of things. So the GPS technology has lots and lots of clubs now using GPS technology. Um, and so you know very quickly there's a there's a kind of you know where are we now? Where do I think it's going in the future? Well, um, certainly I think online using cloud technologies just because of the, the benefits of sharing and scalability, um, that online analysis solution. So the one that uh, you know I've seen a lot of these uh, develop and evolve, and, evolved, and uh, the one that I, uh, that I like that i'm really impressed with is high sports analysis with uh an online um solution that is just wonderful because um all of the video analysis it has all the video analysis capability of a focus or a sports code but online so players, players and coaches can log in players can log in and tag up their own stuff so the coach uploads the game and uh he can actually he or she can go in and tag the game up or the players can uh can go and tag stuff as well so online cloud technology is certainly um one area probably the other area is that you know the, the holy grail is that you have a camera set up and it tags everything for you. because as we know it it can be quite time consuming to tag up um and analyze games so the holy grail is wouldn't it be great if every pass and every tackle and every shot and every cross and every corner could be tagged automatically? So I think we will get there at, at uh, some point. I, um, Fortunately, my days of spending hours and hours tagging games are behind me now. Giovanni, which I'm delighted to see, but I certainly uh, hope the auto-tagging um, technology continues to evolve and, uh, and develop.
0: Now, the thing I love about the tagging technology or the tagging software uh, is that the sky's the limit? You can create your own subject area or topic or focus. Um, you know, like like you said, you want to track, you know, crosses or crosses from the right side, crosses from the left side, shots, anything. Uh, you can create, you know, something for an individual player through the through the, through the tagging process. Um, I really enjoy and really appreciate that that part that um, you can really hone in on an aspect of the game. Uh, to, to To identify, you know, issues that, that may be taking place, or, some, or a point that you're trying to make to the team or players, or uh, or just to just to just to, to discern some some data. Um, so, you know, we talked about a player-driven approach to analysis. Um, what does that mean? What does it mean to have a player-driven approach to to analytics or analysis?
1: Yeah, well, this is um, an area that I'm a- absolutely fascinated by and have been for for the last decade, and this is really the idea. Um, Giovanni that there are the abilities to put up a game and say to players right all I want you to do is pick out the moments where you think you did well in possession or maybe not so well in possession or perhaps well when uh, you were defending or maybe when things didn't go so well and the opportunity to to just tag questions as well moments in the game where where players maybe don't understand what they've been doing or the coach has shouted at them or said something to them during the game and they haven't quite grasped it. So this process, um, this player-driven approach kind of flips where analysis is because traditionally analysis has always been done. um, It's always been coach-led. So I'm the coach. I, I watch the game. I analyze the game. I decide what's important and I feed back to my players on what I think is important. That absolutely is crucial and should still remain part of the development process. However, um, this idea of players um, looking and viewing their own game in in a way that they haven't been able to do so before, I think has huge potential benefits. So I've been involved over the last few years with a number of clubs out in the US and now with uh, a lot of our professional academies um, here in the UK in terms of of looking at this and what we're finding is that certainly there seems to be, learning seems to be accelerated, so we're getting feedback from coaches saying that, that some coaches are saying, look, we're seeing, um, you know, two years of development in a year because the the players are going through and looking at their own performance and picking out things and they're asking questions of the coach. This is where this ties in with the technology. So now, for example, the, the online analysis platform, we um, utilize the, the ice course analysis platform for this. Coaches, you know, players can can tag up questions, for example, and the coach just can go in, it's entirely private, and they answer the, the player's question, where we all know that if, you know, we've all stood in front of groups and said, okay, does everybody understand? And everybody nods their head and, yeah. Yeah, we understand because nobody's going to say in front of their peers, look, I, you know, can you go through that again? So it's a great way of doing it. And um, we're seeing, um, you know, the feedback from coaches is incredibly positive. Seeing a big difference in terms of player decision making, just making better decisions on the on the field. Fascinating watching um, watching players tag up their own game because all you see is oh my goodness why did I do that mm-hmm. all the spaces out this side me I turned into trouble and the watching players do this is is, is fascinating so I think this is an area that's going to grow I've been um, you know I've been fortunate I've been asked to to now do a a PhD study on this by Middlesex University who have a performance analysis department they had uh, they had uh, Gotten a lot of information and feedback from coaches on on uh, how this process was going that we were implementing both in the US and the, and the UK. So that's where I am just now. I'm I'm in the middle of that, which uh, is leaving me about seven minutes a year free um, just now. But uh, I don't know what I'm spending those seven minutes on.
0: Do I have to call you Doctor Donnelly now? No, you you should never call me Doctor Donnelly.
1: <laughs> Professor Middle Donnelly? I mean,
0: PhD, I mean, you know, okay. No,
1: it's just, it, honestly, it's a, it's a fascinating um, area, this, this concept of, of how players getting access to the technology can, can actually enhance their own, own development. It's fascinating. And uh, the initial results uh, in terms of trying to validate this um, have, been, have
0: been just uh, mind-blowing so far. So it's, uh, it's been great you know what it it personalizes uh things for the player um it's them they they're looking at themselves as, as as players and then they look at themselves as part of a a block of players and they look at themselves as part of the team um and it becomes very personal for them and i think it only it only enhances their interest their fascination their dedication toward uh spending time with their with their analysis and then doing better on the field doing better on the field
1: absolutely i uh, absolutely it's uh they they're able to view their own performance within the context of the game and it's something they haven't been able to do before so as a, a as a new kind of learning and teaching opportunity it's fascinating
0: so I want to kind of conclude in an area that you and I are both very passionate about and we've been involved with for many years, and that's in in coach development, uh, coaching education. Um, You and I have done extensive work for United Soccer Coaches, uh, and we we collaborate and work together a few times a year that we get together at our residential courses. So, you know, how does this apply to coach development, this idea of analysis and uh, things we've been talking about?
1: I think there are really um, there are kind of two two sides to this, uh, Giovanni. One is you know through the coaching courses, so it's making uh, it's making coaches aware of the importance of analysis, the importance of feedback, and 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 how they can enhance feedback and integrate technology. Let's harness technology to make ourselves better. So that's certainly one part of it, and. You know, I, you and I have worked together with United Soccer Coaches. Of, of, you know, I take my hat off to that organisation as a, as a coaching education body. You know, I'm very fortunate that I, I get asked to, to work with different over the last kind of 20 years or so, by United Soccer Coaches, and just the quality of their, um, their courses, just. Fantastic, and the fact that they integrated the analysis component as as part of it, they viewed that as has being important. That the coaches had an understanding of that, that was uh, fantastic. So certainly within the courses, I think that that's really important. I think analysis. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We're now, you know, analysing our players as as commonplace. But what what we need to remember and understand is that we as coaches are a a, a huge part of this process so therefore you know turning the camera around and looking at our own coaching behavior and trying to identify areas there to to improve is also hugely um important so looking at coaching behavior whether it's our verbal behavior um whether it's whether we're when we're coaching within sessions or within games because i think it's uh, important that we look at our own behavior within those those two environments but that's um that's really um, an area that is that people are beginning to perceive as as more important. I think that that's great. I work closely mm-hmm. with Loughborough University, a very prestigious university down in uh, down in England, and uh, they have a, a professor there, Chris Cushion, who is kind of uh, one of the the leading figures in in, in terms of the in trying to to enhance coaching behaviour through the analysis. Uh, of coaching behavior and he has an instrument the coach analysis and prevention system that he uses which is incredible um, for this so yes more and more um, more and more we're going to see coaches beginning to turn that camera around and look at their own coaching behavior um, to try and improve there which is uh, which is great the other you know the the other area um, is really in terms of professional development i've been really fortunate now what i i am invited in by different associations again to to talk specifically to coaches and work with coaches who have a real interest in the analysis side of it so out with their coaching whether it's their uefa coaching license courses or their united soccer coaches diploma um working with them purely on the analysis side. So those who are looking looking to dig deeper. And we started that this year actually with United Soccer coaches. I ran a couple mm-hmm. of uh weekend um performance analysis courses for for Ian Barker and United Soccer coaches last year, which were just fascinating mm-hmm. and really well attended and just showed how uh the number of coaches that are interested in this this area so it is it's um, it, you know it's it's great to see it within coaching and education and those are the different strands and uh i i
0: only see each of those areas growing and last but certainly not least um and i don't think we we think about this enough um is the idea of using this to enhance the quality of officiating yeah, I mean it's uh, it's the same premise, you know. Yeah. It's uh, why do we uh,
1: why do we invest our time analysing performance? Well, it, it helps us make better decisions. So, you know, in terms whether that's um, in player performance, us as coaches, or it's just as uh, it's just as important for for match officials. Look at your own performance. How can I how can I improve there? The more informed we are the better decisions that that we're going to make what is that i need to, to work on what is that i need to improve on so yeah i mean it's uh we work now i work now with uh, a number of uh, officiating bodies um around the world in terms of advising them and, and looking at at ways that they can begin to um to kind of structure some form of of uh analysis put that in place for them and potentially you know, harness technology to to make that process more effective.
0: Well, I'll tell you, Ian, this has been, uh, at least for me anyways, hopefully for my audience as well, uh, a very informative, um, insightful conversation regarding technology, the use of technology, video analysis, feedback uh, relative to, um, you know, how how we coach, how we assess, whether you're, you're assessing teams, players. The coaches and coach development, or even in officiating. Uh, this has been been a terrific conversation. If people wanted to learn more about this, they want to learn more about performance innovation, they wanted to learn more about what Ian Donnelly is doing, how might they contact you?
1: Um, well, Giovanni, they would just get in touch with me, just email me. My email address is ian, that's I-A-N, at performanceinnovation.net. So that's Ian at PerformanceInnovation.net. I am uh, always open to to answer questions from coaches. It's uh, been involved in and in, with different national associations. It, it's fantastic. I, I get coaches from all over the world asking questions and wanting to find out more. So and I love doing it. I love uh, helping people out, um, whether that's with you know, in terms of structure and the analysis or the technology side of it or whatever it is.
0: And I encourage folks out there to, to do that. Um, you know, again, I don't say this because Ian is, is my friend. He's he's uh, such an expert. He's so passionate about this um, that indeed, um, you know, re- reach out to Ian, look look uh, into performance innovation and, and dive deep into this. Because it's, you know, as I noted earlier, it's 2020. The technology is is here. It's not going anywhere. Um, it is a valuable tool for all coaches, Um in terms of assessing teams players and we talked about the later part of the conversation there and coach, coach development officiating um it's it's a it's a part of what we do now in the game so ian thank you so much um i, I will thank you a million times i will next time i see you i'll owe you a beer or two or twelve uh for coming on the show but oh, now we're talking now <laughs> we're talking giovanni I, I figured sooner or later i get to your language i get to your language but I just want—I want to thank you for being on the show. It means a great deal, and uh, uh, I know folks are going to really, really enjoy uh, this conversation. So um, I'm Giovanni Piccini. This is indeed the GP Soccer Podcast. You've been listening to the interview I had with the wonderful Ian Donnelly. We're going to break for a brief commercial message. On the other side, we're going to dip into the GP Soccer Podcast mailbag. It's been a busy uh, week or two with emails—some good, some not so good. But I'm going to pull out one or two of the really good ones and we'll address it. Um, so, as they say. Don't you go anywhere. Hey, Giovanni Puccini here, host of the GP Soccer Podcast. As you all know, the main theme of the show revolves around player and coach development, both really important issues here in the United States. It's my hope that when you listen to the show, in essence, it becomes a mini coaching education course of sorts. And when you finish listening, you're that much more enlightened about the things that we as soccer coaches need to implement into our regular soccer routines and practices. If you like what you've heard, and I certainly hope that you do, we'll share it. Share it with those within your own soccer network. It might be amongst those within your youth soccer or club organizations or your soccer friends and colleagues in general. I'm hoping that this becomes Coaches Helping Coaches. That's what I'm trying to do with the show. So, if you like what you hear, tell everyone.
1: Hey everyone, this is Dave Hart. You have no idea who I am, probably, but that's okay. I'm the boys' soccer coach at Kennett High School in North Conway, New Hampshire. And right now, you're listening to GP Soccer Podcast with your host, Giovanni Puccini. Keep listening.
0: It's time to dip into the GP Soccer Podcast mailbag. Yay! Welcome back to the GP Soccer Podcast. Uh, I am your host. Giovanni Pecchini great interview with Ian Donnelly again a good friend good colleague uh, it was a real fantastic opportunity to to uh have a chat with him um and terrific that uh, that all you folks out there who are listening um, get a chance to uh learn more about um the use of you know use of technology and, uh and feedback and uh, uh data assessment and um, those very important things that are that are now the cornerstone of, of sports, um, not just in soccer, but but everywhere. Uh, as I noted, Ian is he he's the manager director director at Performance Innovation. So certainly check that out online. Um, and if you want to learn more, certainly reach out to Ian via Performance Innovation. So, again, many thanks, Ian. Uh, great uh, chatting with you. And I do look forward to the, to the chance that we uh, get to see each other face to face right now. You're in Scotland. I'm here in the United States. Uh, but uh, we will cross paths at our next United Soccer Coaches coaching education course, and we'll have these ongoing conversations. So, uh, dipping into the uh, GP Soccer Podcast mailbag, and yeah, there it is, uh, hot off the presses. This is from somebody I know. Uh, I'm not going to mention name, but uh, it's a, it's a good question, and it, it will result in a, a true story, a true story. So, here we go. Geo. Please tell the story of the time when you were doing a grassroots session a number of years ago, and it was a number of years ago, about the coach who discovered a way to keep his U6s apart. It's a classic, see you soon. Uh, yeah, the, this is a true story, and I and I share this story when I teach uh, grassroots uh, courses, particularly U6s and U8s. Um, and uh, a number of years ago, when I was involved with... Uh, uh, maths use mass youth soccer, uh, doing grassroots and you know grassroots uh, clinics. At the time, there weren't really courses; there were clinics, and I'd get out there and, and educate folks on you know the the methods by which we would uh, you know create environments for U sixes and U eights. So I had done this particular session, this particular presentation for a group uh, on the south shore of Boston uh, in a community that shall remain nameless. And at the end, like, like like I always do, like we always do if you're in this business, um, you, you ask, is there are there any questions or any comments uh, uh, that you might like to share with me in the group? So this one gentleman raises his hand and, and I said, yep, this is what he got. He says, well, you know, uh, Giovanni, I, I've uh, discovered a way, I've figured out a way to keep this, you know, my U6s, you, you keep these kids apart, get them to spread out. And I'm kind of paraphrasing here, it was a number of years ago. And I went, okay, uh, what do you got? He says, well, I went to Home Depot, and right there, the first red flag went up. The first red flag went up. I went to Home Depot, and I bought some pegs, and I bought some rope. The second red flag goes up, and he said, I, I put some pegs in, on the ground, and I would strap the rope around the players, and I gave them enough slack to cover an area that they would typically cover in a game, and then I would let them play. So at that point, I was waiting for the gentleman to you know, say, ha, 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 I'm just, just kidding, But looking at, you know, looking at the expression on his face, he was dead serious. He was, he was dead serious. He thought he had discovered a a way to kind of keep these kids, uh, you know, uh, spread out. So I couldn't help but ask, well, what happens if, you know, the ball happens to be in in a spot where two kids have kind of run out of slack? Well, then what do you do? Because well, I just kind of go out there and I just toe poke the ball and let them play. So I, I wanted to take the, this is a true story, by the way. That's a true story. I'm not making this up. I-, I wanted to take the guy by the collars and kind of shake him and going, are you kidding me? I- I- are you kidding me? Um, so I had to very professionally, which I did do, share with him that it really is not an effective way to, you know, t- t- to teach the kids how to spread out at the time. And now, mind you, this was a time when, you know, the the, the notion of doing that was before where somebody did it now. you, I mean, it would be an instant lawsuit, you know, tying kids up on a soccer field, a uh, peg to the ground. Um, so I had to very professionally enlighten the guy as to how this was really kind of counter to the things we're trying to get across to these young players in terms of, you know, getting to under, understand, you know, where to go and how we might use, you know, uh, you know guided questioning about, you know, where might you go to get the ball? Where might you run to to, to pay maybe, uh, you know, receive the ball? Where might you, uh, you know, dribble the ball to and why? And that kind of stuff, um, you know, uh, the guided question route. Um, but yeah, I share that story because, um I don't know. It's a good story, Uh, a twisted story, but a a good story nonetheless. So if I catch any of you soccer coaches out there at Home Depot or uh, your local hardware store and you've got pegs and rope in your hands, you know, I'm going to ask you, what the heck are you doing? What the heck are you doing? So anyways, that's that's our email uh, email of the week. So that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. I I enjoy every show that I do. This is a boatload of fun. I hope it's a boatload of fun for all of you in terms of listening in. Our guest today was, again, the great Ian Donnelly from Performance Innovation. Um, So if you like what you heard today, tell everyone. If you didn't, listen, tell everyone anyway. If you'd like to advertise on the GP Soccer Podcast, you can absolutely contact me, Giovanni Pacini, at GP4Soccer. That's the number four at yahoo.com or at... 617-968-1800. This is Giovanni Puccini of the GP Soccer Podcast, and goodness knows I'll catch you later.